Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, where you will find messages from various speakers here at Eastgate House of Prayer Mission Base, both a house of prayer and a praying church. We pray that you are blessed through this message and that a greater measure of truth is revealed to you as you listen. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Mark. Um, hi. <laughs> hi on live stream. I'm Mark. I'll tell you a couple things about myself. Uh, number one is I am an overachiever. And the reason I know that is two reasons. Number one, I married a woman way better looking than me. That is number one. Come on. There's a lot of men here today that are overachievers. Um, and, and the other thing I want to say is most men my age, I'm going to be 50 this year. Whoa. Most men my age have receding hairlines. One day I got up and looked in the mirror and I had a hair growing out of the middle of my forehead. I, my friends, have a proceeding hairline. It's awesome. That's enough about me. I, I, I today, I want to call something out of you today. I want to call something out of the folks in the live stream today. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 34. Yeah, you got to work. <laughs> got to work. Turn, turn to the book of Exodus chapter 34. For my job, I, I work for a large multinational company, and I work in the IT department, and I get to travel for my job from time to time. I haven't traveled very much since COVID hit, but I used to travel quite a bit. One of the places that I went to that I loved was I got to go to a conference in Norway. And uh, it was cool. Norway is cool. Everybody speaks English. It's beautiful. Uh, the food's good. Uh, my boss and I, to get to the, from the hotel to the conference, we got, like, we rented these little electric scooters, and we scooted, and it was awesome. It was, Norway was beautiful, but there's this one place in Norway that I didn't get to, and I would love to go someday. There's this little town in Norway called Rukan. Now, I'm butchering the name because I can't roll my R's the way they would do that in Norway. Um, but Rukon. And the thing about Rukon is, that's unique about it is that Rukon lives in between, in this valley in between two mountains. And so because Rukon is in, in this valley for six months of the year, the town of Rukon doesn't get any light doesn't get any direct sunlight for six months a year. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I uh, don't think I could handle that. If I got three cloudy days in a row, I am ready to pack up, move back to Australia, and live on the Sunshine Coast. Someday, sweetie. However, in 1928 the owner of the local hydro company recognized how hard it was for the people to live their lives with so little access to the sun. And so his company paid for the construction of a cable car. 
so that they could take people that were down in the dark and bring them to the light. This, people, is so amazing. It's still running today. For a small fee, you can go to RootCon, built in 1938, still runs today. You can go into town, take a cable car for about 10 pounds, and ride up 500 meters into the light. A brass plaque in the ticket office declares the facility as a gift from the company. This here. As a gift from the company, and it says to the people of Rukon, because for six months of the year, the sun does not shine in the bottom of the valley. Now, folks, this is a kind, and it's honorable, it's noble, and it's a wonderful thing, taking people and bringing them to the light. They designed and planned and created an infrastructure, and I'm sure it was at a great cost, all with the purpose of taking people to the light. This, in my opinion, is a wonderful picture of the church today. We have designed and we've planned and we've created buildings and an infrastructure at a cost, all with the goal of taking people and bringing them to the light. This is a wonderful, honorable, and noble thing for the church to do. Getting people and bringing them to the light. You know, it's funny because that's how the people of Rukon lived for the next 80 to 90 years. They lived that way. But then there was this guy. There's always a person. Not just a guy, but there's always a person. But in this case, it was a guy. There was this guy. And he moves to the town of Rukon in the early 2000s. And as he was there for a while, he began to ponder the predicament of living in a place where if he wanted to see the sunlight for more than six months of the year that he got to see it without taking a cable car, how would he do it? So he began to think, what if there was some way he could bring the light to the town instead of the town of the light? And as he brainstormed and he read and he studied and he petitioned and he planned and he raised money. And the thing is, he learned about this town in Italy that used to be in a similar situation. There's always someone that's been there before you as a side trail. And they came up with this really unique and innovative and creative solution. What they had done was they installed mirrors on the side of the mountain in order to reflect the light into the town. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the implication of this analogy and how it could be applied. Probably a dozen, dozen different directions that we can go with that. And let me tell you, when I first read about this town, I was just, I don't even know how I came across this. I was like, just Googling stuff, you know, like we do, just Googling. Browsing the web, right? Just whatever. But I, I came across this, and, I, and I'll tell you, when I'm reading this, I just read it. It's this news article I started reading about. And uh, I just, my spirit started doing backflips. And I'm, my brain's going like all these different directions. Like, woo! See, I, you'll, you'll notice I use notes, but I use notes because my brain goes all these different directions. Like, woo! You know, we'll, who knows where we'll end up if I don't stay on track. But um, anyways, I began to think about all the different ways this analogy complied. And I, I'm sure they would all be applicable. 
But I have a very specific direction that I believe the Lord impressed on me for us today, particularly in light of what God's doing at Eastgate House of Prayer and what he wants to do in through us. Before I do, though, I want to take a small bunny trail. So this is the trail. This is me hopping off the trail, all right? So I'm going to hop off the trail for a second. And um, I, I'm sure it's very obvious if you think about this. You know, the idea of, okay, we take people and we bring them to light, uh, you know, take them up down, or we take the light to them, right? I, I'm sure you can easily see that this could apply to evangelism, right? Okay. And it does. It's not where we're going today, but I want to hit this bunny trail for a second for a reason. Okay. You've probably heard, if you've been around church any length of time, and you've ever heard anybody talk about evangelism, they'll say things like this. Okay. Guys, we have to get out of the four walls. If you took every person in the world and you filled every church in the world, no, sorry, if you took every church in the world and you filled them up with all the people, you would only be able to hold 2% of the population. We have to get out of the four walls. Okay, so this is important and it's good. But what I want to point out is this. Don't take an either-or approach to it. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Do you know, I got saved, my, my older sister got cancer, and we called 100 Huntley Street in, in Toronto, in Hamilton, and they sent us to this church because they were having a special meetings with a guest speaker. And so we went to a building and were a part of a service, and all my family ended up at the end of the service. Every one of us, we got up, we walked down front and gave our lives to the Lord in one service. All right. So, so don't, don't take that away. Don't, don't just say, hey, it's only valid if we get out. No, no, guys, we got to do both. We got to bring them here. We got to go out there. All right. So that's my little bunny trail. Now I'm going to hop back on the bunny trail, off the bunny trail. All right. All right. I want to read um, Exodus chapter 34. And I'm going to start in verse 28. So, he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now, funny thing about this, I was reading uh, this, the start of this chapter, verse 34, chapter 34. Read at the start, I think it's hilarious. God gave Moses homework. Moses smashed these tablets, the original Ten Commandments that God gave him. And so God comes to say, look, now you go carve out some tablets and meet me back here in the morning. I think that's hilarious. God's just like, no, no, this is homework for you. So if you have homework, don't get mad. All right. So now was when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of testimony were Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his flesh shone when he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as, a command, as commandments all that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking to them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out, and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel when, whatever he had been commanded. 
And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, the skin of Moses' face shone. Then Moses would put the veil back on again until he went to speak to him. So that's not where we're going to land today. We're going to actually land in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting in verse 7. I just want to lay that out because I wanted to make some context for what we're talking about today. So I want to lay that out. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 7. But the ministry of death was written and engraved on stones, and that was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds more in glory. For even when what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For what, if what, for what if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies in their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Here's a good verse. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And listen to this one. But we all. But we all. Now, you know what we all means? It means ye all. You can literally say y'all. Look at your neighbor and say ye all is we all. And ye all is me all. But ye all, or we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. I want to read this in, um, out of the Passion Translation, because this, this is so good. Listen to verse 18. We can draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into the very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to the other. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Wow. 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 Here's the main point I believe the Lord wants us to focus on today. I believe that when we spend time in his presence, we begin to be transformed, like you know it says, from glory to glory, from being in his presence to being in his presence. I believe that as we do, we get transformed from being sponges of his glory into mirrors that reflect his glory in his presence. And I believe this applies corporately and individually. So the thing is, let's, let's take a small little bunny trail for a second. The thing is, don't get in either or. There's nothing wrong with being a sponge. All my Christian life, I've heard people bash, what are you, just a spiritual sponge? Just sitting in the church, getting his presence just like a sponge. You're soaking it up like a sponge. <sighs> Why y'all got to be negative? Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, I want to be a sponge. Yeah. I want to be a sponge. I want to reflect. I want to... I want to get as much of his glory and his presence in my life as I can. 
and I want to be a mirror that reflects His glory. When it comes to the light and His glory and His presence in us and reflecting on us, I have a few little thoughts I want to share today. Number one, everyone benefits from the light. As mirrors of God's light, our nation, our city, our region will benefit from the light and be changed. When interviewed, one person from RootCon said this, it makes me think about how we need the sun and what happens to light when you reflect it. But what's really special is that it goes so deep into the public sphere, it touches something absolutely fundamental in this town. Whoa. Our cities are changed, our nation is changed, our schools are changed, our workplaces are changed, our neighborhoods are changed, our families are changed, our friends are changed, the people around us are changed by what happens when the people of God get into the presence of God and begin to reflect the glory of God. Did you know that Rossi and St. John and Canada and St. George, and Sussex, wherever else you're from. Benefits just from this church being here. Just from this church being here. I don't think I could. Just watch the tape later. <laughs> It, it, listen, just from us being here. And as God begins to release more of his glory and reveal more of his presence to this body, that blessing will increase in our area, in our country, in our nation, in our regions. We'll begin to prosper even greater, greater than that. On top of all that, did you know did you know that the company you work at and the school that you go to prospers just because you're there? As a carrier of his presence, as a carrier of his presence, it prospers because of you. We're not going to read or talk much about it today, but you could, you, and you should, do a study sometime, if you haven't already, about Obed-Edom from 2 Samuel chapter 6, who was blessed as was his entire household because God's presence was there in his house. There's a whole study you could probably do on just about being a good steward of the presence of God, but, but we're kind of going to go a little bit, you know, we're not going to go that way today. It's good stuff, though. So here's number two. The size of the mirror is irrelevant. Before I read this article, I had this picture in my mind of this huge array of mirrors dwarfing the landscape of the town. But I saw this picture, and I realized that the size of the mirror is so small compared to the size of the town, but that small Mirror provides light for a place that can't get its own. 
if we blacked out all the windows in this room and we turned off all the lights, it'd be really dark. And it could be creepy. <laughs> I've worked in churches before. And I used to, um, you know, Friday was my sermon preparation day. So nobody else was in the office. I was the only one there. And uh, so, so I, I would go down to the auditorium and I would just walk and pray and, you know, whatever, and, and just, you know, seek God. And so I'm down there. And, and of course, it had like a suspended ceiling kind of like this. And, um, you know, Australia's really hot, right? So, so you get like a lot of these heat waves. And so as the ceiling would heat up, all of a sudden the roof tiles would start to flop a little bit right? So here I am, God's man of faith and power in the church, and I'm scared. I'm like, I gotta get out of here. This is too creepy, just because there's all these noises. Anyways, but the thing is, if we were to light a single match, or to use a more modern analogy, turn on the light on your iPhone, all of a sudden, everyone in the room would be able to see. Why? Because it doesn't take a huge amount of light to dispel darkness. There's something you should know about me. I do not like cheesy platitudes. So, if you ever want to get me rolling my eyes and tuning you out, say things like, there's no high like the most high. <laughs> Probably the first time somebody said that was really super anointed. Now it's just cheesy and doesn't mean anything. All right? Or if you say things like, turn and burn, turn or burn, fly or fry, live and die, live or die, it's your choice, you know, stuff like that. Or after the storm, the sun will shine. Now that's helpful. Or when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. We all heard that one. I love the, the sort of the comeback to that one. Unless life gives you uh, sugar and water, your lemonade is going to suck. It's true. Anyways, I don't like cheesy platitudes, but I'm going to use one today because it suits my purpose. Here it goes. Darkness is not a thing. The only thing darkness is is a lack of light. As a church, that means we don't have to focus on how big we are. Size is a byproduct, not a goal. Or how many programs we have or how great our platform ministry is, even though we have an awesome platform ministry. We have the best worship here. We got the best preaching here. We, we, can't, we, were, we were checking the church out in September. After a bad experience. I'm not going to tell you about the bad experience. But another time, another time. We're going to focus on something. No, no, it's, it's funny. But I, I think it's hilarious. But anyways, so we were checking the church out. And we come in here and... I believe Rochelle was leading worship and Tatiana was preaching and we were like, this is it. <laughs> we got a good platform ministry here, we do. Anyways, we don't need to focus on how our great our social media reach is or any of those other things that we normally focus on. And as individuals, the important for, thing for us is to not focus on, you know, how influential or how well-spoken, or how extroverted, or how funny, or how gifted, or how wise, or any of the other things, maybe handsome or beautiful, any of those other things that we wish we were. All those things can be helpful. They can. 
And it's important for us to be good stewards of the gifts and callings that God's given us and to hone them and become excellent at our craft. It's important to do that. But, it's key here. Our number one goal needs to be an unrelenting, passionate obsession with a laser-like focus on getting his presence followed by reflecting his presence like reflecting the light. Way back before COVID hit, I was in, the, I was in a meeting. I, I don't, nah, anyways, there was a meeting I was in. It was awesome. It was just God was moving. And, and I just felt the Spirit of God say to me, presence first. Presence first. So all those, you know, all those other things are good, but presence first. Number three. There's not even going to be a poem. I might have three points in a poem, but I'm not even going to a poem. The purpose of the mirror is to reflect the light. To be clear, God made you with a personality. He loves you individually, and he loves your crazy, crazy quirkiness. He enjoys your sense of humor, and he designed you uniquely. He likes me. You might not like me. I don't know why you wouldn't. I'm delightful. But he likes me. You and I are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we are co-laborers with him. Therefore, you matter in the whole thing. You do matter in the whole thing. But having said all that, what we want to do is get the things out of the way that would artificially tint the light of his presence. Like our religious preferences, rules, and regulations, maybe. It's no secret that churches are closing today all over the place. I believe part of the reason for that is many times we've been reflecting our ideas and our mindsets and our preferences and our religiosity and calling it light. Instead of just reflecting the light and staying out of the way. And the next generations are rejecting it. Well, I think only the old songs bring his presence. Love we don't have this here. Well, I think only the new songs bring the glory down. We used to say, and I, I thankfully haven't heard this in a while. It's very important that we dress our very best for Sunday services because he deserves our very best. So if you, you wore jeans, oh, you almost have ready to people get people almost ready to cast a demon out of you. If you ever dared, heaven forbid, you wore a hat to church. Whoa. You can't be a man of God or a woman of God if you smoke cigarettes or buy lottery tickets. Moses would have add, added those if only he had more room on those blooming tablets. How about this one? If you don't wear a mask, you don't love your neighbor. So for sure you're not a man or woman of God. Or how about this one? If you do wear a mask, you are clearly living in fear and couldn't possibly be a man or woman of God. We get so focused on the cleanliness 
of other people's mirrors. Let's just reflect the light and let him parent his children as he still sees fit. Still love me? Yeah. All right. I'm glad. <laughs> All right, here we go. Number, f- I guess I got four points. <laughs> Not three. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> All right. Having it here and bringing it out there matters. So Exodus 33, 14 to 6, the Lord replies to Moses. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, come on, we know this one. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up out of here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish us or what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Presence matters. So we're, we're in church one night, uh, one Sunday. Uh, it was October, November, I don't know, some, sometime in that neighborhood, neighborhood of time. And we're here. And, um, and uh, it, was, it was fantastic. We had like a rapid fire prayer. Okay, so, so everybody gets like 30 seconds to, to come up and, you know, g- give a little prayer, right? If you want. I was too chicken at the time. But anyways, uh, no, not really. <laughs> I wasn't really. I think you're just feeling it out at the time. But um, so we're here, and, and there's lots of people praying different things. It was all awesome. And this one lady gets up and prays the most awesome prayer. I don't remember who the lady was. I honestly don't remember if you're here. Good on you. Um, if you're watching live stream, good on you. Here it is. The prayer was this. God, it was something effective. God, let these people have an encounter with you. Sounds like a simple little prayer, okay? But I got thinking after this. <laughs> my thinking got, my thinker got working. And I started to ponder and reflect on that a little bit. Just that prayer. Let people have an encounter with you. And so I, I, I came up with some thoughts on this. I, or a thought. The thought is this. Essentially, when you boil it all down, there are three ways for that prayer to be answered. It's only three. The first one I'm going to discount because it's kind of a sovereign thing. And this is this. God, in his sovereign move, just shows up. And they have, boom, have an encounter. Right? That just, that happens. Right? Some people, yeah. Paul, it's a good example. Some people just, you know, like, I was out in the desert and I was just miserable and God showed up. And, you know, and actually, interesting enough, we hear a lot about, you know, people in, in countries like Iran and stuff like that where it's not so free to preach the gospel. People are just Jesus appearing to them. So that's, that's really awesome, and that, that's a, a way that happens. Um, number two, um, people like you and I bring them to a place like the Eastgate House of Prayer for an encounter service or a Sunday service or some other prayer service or something, and people have an encounter with him. And the third way is this, when God's people who have spent time in his presence, who from glory to glory begin to reflect his presence like his word says, you and I would bring an encounter to them. He wants you and he wants me to carry his presence. To put it another way, we weren't made to only experience his glory, but also to reflect his glory. Last little thought I have here. We're going to finish up. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's not even that late. 
Last little thought here. The way I like to think about revival is this. Is God just turning up the light a little bit? God just making it a little bit brighter. To quote Bill Johnson, we owe the world an encounter with God. We owe the world an encounter with God. And I'm going to challenge you with this little thing. You know, uh, the, the scripture says, you know, run the race that is set before you. I hope today that I was able to lay a little race in front of you to run after in this next little season. But I want to be like Kirk. And I want to lay my hands on myself. Say, son, reflect the glory. Get the glory. Get as much of the glory as you can. Like a sponge. Lord, increase my sponge. Make it bigger. And then I want to reflect his glory. Thank you, Lord. I... I Tell this, uh, this little story about, I, I was working in Bible college, just the freebie here, this little story, but um, this, uh, I, was work, I was in Bible college, and, and I was working at this Italian restaurant, and um, there was this uh, lady, her name was Mama Rosa, that she made like the best, best pizza sauce, it was yonkers, it was good, it was good, so she makes this sauce, anyways, so Mama Rosa, every day I'd come into work and, and she would like fight with the owners. And so they, they'd come in, you know, and, and, and she'd be running through this, uh, you know, the kitchen screaming at Tony, the owner, and they're having these fights all the time, right? It was just like chaos. Anyways, one day I come into work though and Mama Rosa pays me the biggest compliment next to my wife saying, yes, I will marry you. She says to me, you remind me of God. Whoa. Folks, that's what we're talking about. That's what I, I don't want it to be limited to Mama Rosa in Bible college. Oh. Okay, Charles Finney. Holy cow. If you ever want to read about a revivalist, He, he has this thing. He, he like gets radically transformed by Jesus, and he spends time in his presence. And he ends up going into this cotton factory, and he doesn't say a word, and people just start weeping and start getting saved. Why? Carrier, the presence. That's what I want. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. To find more teaching resources or to join us via live stream, visit our website at eastgatehouseofprayer.ca.